Hello. Hello. Good evening, sir. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are things down in North Carolina? Things are good. Let me uh, let me adjust my audio. Let me let me uh, let me fix my levels here. I think I think you're a little hot. I'm a little hot. I better uh, better deal with that a little bit. I, I'm dealing with that by keeping my microphone away from my mouth for a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to help or not. Um, that'll 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 work. I think if you don't talk into it. Here we go. Here we go. How's that? Sounds the same. Hmm. Hmm. How's that? Any better? Better now? Better now? Better here? We're can, at you the, hear can you hear me now? We're at the optometrist. <laughs> Still sounds the same. Same fantastic dulcet tones. Um, oh, we have one more, one more little trick to make here. One more trick. That's the problem. How's that? <laughs> it still sounds the same. Exactly the same, really. So I've I've adjusted everything. I think actually, I can. you sound a little fainter now. Okay, is that is that good? Good faint? Not so faint. I don't know. I can I can uh, I can turn up the volume, make you louder. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've I've adjusted everything. I think I can. So uh, that's that's pretty much all I have. <laughs> Okay, I guess we'll have to do a show. I guess we'll have to do a show. I'm, I'm at. I had trouble last time with uh, um, my uh, like my office setup, and then mm-hmm. oh, I, you're at home. I'm at home, so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit dicey, and I've got my Plantronics. Mm. Uh, so that explains it. Yeah, so it's not it, it's not like the clearest. I mean, it's not my um, uh, it's not as velvety. My voice isn't as velvety as it should be. That's true. Ah, <laughs> uh, so it's a it's an evening FST. It is, and it's a special food safety talk. Very is it? Spe- it's a very special food safety talk. It's it's number fifty, Doc. It's our it's our it's our golden anniversary. It's our ben. golden anniversary. It's um, if we were a sitcom. <laughs> Well, no, that's probably not even a good example. It would have been like 200 shows. I think if it was, you know, Cheers and the Cosby show, it was when they got to 200 that things got really exciting. So for us, um, maybe it's maybe this is like uh, uh, we've been renewed for another season, <laughs> if we were a sitcom. I, I was going to say, if we were an old married couple, we'd just be like really old. <laughs> we would. <laughs> and, and maybe like we'd get a, a letter from the governor. Or the or a congressman or something, and we'd have a big party and invite all of our friends. We would, but we'd leave early because we'd be old. <laughs> we'd be old, and everyone else would, would have a, a really fun time. But we'd have to get back, and and we'd both have to wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, true. Not our not our dancing shoes. That's true. Ah, but fifty. So fifty uh, is pretty uh, pretty awesome. We uh, we have a little bit of follow up on fifty that I wanted to. Uh, to get to because a couple episodes ago we talked about um planning for our 50th and And did we do any planning ben no no we didn't this was it this is really uh what we planned for is that we would talk about number 50 but we talked a little bit about um about flamingos do you remember that we did i remember that um so we talked about flamingos about how um this they're I thought it happened everywhere. 
Um, and, and it wasn't until you and I talked about it that uh, I've discovered that this appears to only be a Canadian thing. But um, fifth, uh, when it's a notable anniversary or birthday or something, uh, I remember as I was growing up in, in Canada that people would end up with, with pink flamingos on their lawn and just for that day. And um, we talked a little bit about this in uh, episode 48, and a couple of our listeners uh, uh, sent messages via text and, and Facebook um, about this. One from our good friend Michelle in Florida, uh, who said, for, for my 30th birthday, I got 30 pink flamingos on my lawn in Florida, but I think it really is a Canadian thing because my mom um, ha- had no pink flamingos because there were no companies here who would do it like home. So I, maybe they weren't pink. She had, she had thing flamingos on her lawn. I'm not sure what that means. That was in the text. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, from another listener, uh, Rachel, uh, said in reference to food safety talk, episode 48, flamingoing someone's lawn for their birthday is totally a Canadian experience. In recent times, Canadians have also taken to gnoming each other's lawns. Uh, however, it should be noted that flamingoing or gnoming one's own lawn is not an acceptable practice in Canada. I think you can only flamingo your own lawn in Florida. <laughs> oh, oh we're, we've got some witty, uh, uh, some witty listeners. Um, Indeed. But I wanted to to highlight another flamingo situation, which I, as I was really trying to do some preparation for this today, I wanted to definitively answer whether this flamingoing issue was Canadian or not. Um, and all I could find was that on the Canadian Prime Minister's 50th birthday, uh, his name is Stephen Harper, he woke up to 50 pink plastic flamingos gracing the lawn of his official residence. Um, and uh, his, as uh, an article that uh, was in 2009 said, as Harper left his residence to see his children off to school, he was greeted by his staffers singing happy birthday. He strolled briefly through the flock and posed for a photo beside a sign reading, happy 50th birthday, Prime Minister. Minister. So quaint, quaint uh, celebration. But I, I, I want to highlight that this is um, one of those things that kind of blindsided me as as an only Canadian thing. Oh, well, that would explain why you knew about it and I didn't. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's a nice tradition, though. I like it. And, and you know, I mean, Ben, I don't know what the weather's like in North Carolina, but it's dark here in New Jersey. And there could be 50 pink flamingos on my lawn, and I just don't know it. Wow. I didn't even think about that. There could be 50 pink flamingos on my lawn, too. Hmm. We're going to have to check. Uh, After. Not right now. Let's not look now. Uh, You know what? I'm going to pretend that there's 50 pink flamingos on my lawn right now just to get me in the mood. Well, excellent. Maybe I'll pretend that there's 50 gnomes on my lawn and that one of our wily listeners organized this. So thank you uh, to whoever did that. (laughs) Ah, the... Uh, the 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 benefits of uh, of podcasting. Um. So uh, we have some other follow up in here. You 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 mentioned something about iTunes Radio. Yeah. So I've been checking out iTunes Radio, and I made um, I made a, a Grateful Dead channel, um, and then I made a Fountains of Wayne channel, but. 
I don't know what the settings are because in my in my uh, Grateful Dead channel there was Katy Perry and Kanye West, West which just doesn't make any sense. But the iTunes Radio does have a way that you can block certain people so they don't come up in your channel. So Katy Perry and Kanye West are blocked from my um, uh, from my Grateful Dead Radio channel. Just from that channel, though. No. For now, for now, unless they show up other places, I just anyway, <laughs> I, I must have said something wrong. But anyway, there's a lot of good music in that in that channel, but, but not uh, but not those but two. See, see, I, I you know, and I gave them a benefit of the doubt because I I feel like I should kind of know who Katy Perry and Kanye West are, and I vaguely know that like they're popular people that do music things. Um, and I tried to listen to them, and I just couldn't take it. So wow. Uh, and that's why the uh, democracy of uh, of iTunes Radio lets you, uh, as, as you said, vote to not hear them again in your channel. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I I like me some Kanye West. Katy Perry is not my thing, but uh, I, I do have a, uh, a a soft spot in my iTunes heart for for Kanye. Um, mm. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I like I, I like some of his stuff. I like his his new album. Uh, very much, and it sounds to me, it's more, it's more art, arty music. I don't know. Maybe that's not even the right way to describe it. I like that it has some sort of um, artistic aspect to it, uh, more than just uh, just hip hop. But you know, I'm I'm a hip hop I'm a hip hop guy. Yeah, and there's some and there's some uh, uh, rap music, as I call it, because uh, yes. I'm old, um, right, uh, that that I like. Um, but but uh, yeah, just I don't know. And maybe maybe it's the particular songs that showed up. But I just uh, you know, it wasn't for lack of trying to like it, but it just didn't do it for me. Speaking of you liking a little bit of the rap music, um, <laughs> I have been stalking you on the internet, and I believe that you shazammed a Public Enemy song yesterday. Is that true? I I don't know. Um, I, I might have. I, I I did not realize that I was publicly shazamming. I'm now. I'm uh, now. You have to check your shazam. Uh, I do. Settings. I do. I have to. Uh, I have to look at that. That's um. That uh, that bothers me a little bit. That you might know that about me. I do. Um, I think he it, got he got game. He got game. Came up in look my Facebook that. feed. Um. And I'm not. I'm not <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure why. You know, probably because it was a good song, and I heard it during. I was probably, you know, you know, a lot of times I listen to, I hear music, like on television shows, like as background, and I'm pretty sure that that's that that's when that came up. It might have been, you know, speaking of popular culture, we have been. Um, I don't know. Do you follow? Do you watch um, on on Netflix? Do you, have you? Are you a fan of uh, New Girl? Uh, I, I'm a fan of New Girl. I've watched most of the. Uh, first season i think actually i've watched all of the first season i've not watched anything since the first season yeah so second season is on netflix and uh we have just been like watching it non-stop i think we're up to episode uh 13 or 14 so so for those that that don't know uh new girl is a a show that that uh features uh zoe deschanel who's just Absolutely delightful and charming, no matter what she does, as well as an amusing cast of other folks. And it's just, uh, it's just, it's, it's, uh, we just enjoy it very much. It's like our new, our new favorite, uh, weird, quirky show, like that we listen to. We, we, we like just because of the, the zany antics that, uh, the kids get up to. But, but I mean, but also, I mean, the, the, the writing is very smart and the, the dialogue is very, very funny. It's kind of, in a way, it kind of fits, this fills the same, 
uh, niche that uh, Gilmore Girls did in, in that it is very uh, kind of fast-paced, not not so many cultural references as Gilmore Girls, but just very uh, very entertaining and and just just likable characters and and just very you know good great just good just good 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 comedy without being suit stupid or stat or sappy. I like uh, I like Zoe a lot. Um, are you? Are you up on Zoe's history and her other the other things she does? Oh, I knew I know that she's friends with John Roderick uh, because he's mentioned her in his Twitter feed, and she is the sister of Emily Deschanel, who we like from that show that's become annoying that she's on that Bones um, or Bones. Yeah, something. we used to we we used to like that and watch that, and it just got just got idiotic, so we don't watch that anymore. Um, and I, I know she used to date the guy from Death Cab for Cutie, but that that's about the limit of my Zoe Deschanel trivia. Oh well, I've got two things for you then. All right, Zoe, um, in the immortal movie uh, Almost Famous, oh, is the older sister to. Um, the main character, and his name escapes me right now. Oh, wow. Um, and is the one who gives him all the records that gets him into rock and roll. I'll have to watch that again. That yeah. was a good, I remember I enjoyed that movie very much. Yeah. Oh, one of my, one of my favorite movies of all time. Just one, one of the, the more rewatchable movies. And I don't know if it's just a like thing, um, you, you know, time and place of, of seeing a movie that, that connects with you. But, um, it, it uh, yeah, she's she's in that as uh, as uh, the guy's older sister, and I wish I could remember his name uh, right now. Um, also, let me give you a, a recommendation for some fantastic music. So Zoe is one half of She and Him. Oh yeah, I have I have seen that in uh, Starbucks. They have the the oh. the CD there. Awesome, they're amazing. So I think they have three albums and a Christmas album, and everyone. I mean, you got to love anybody who puts out a Christmas album, non ironic. Yes. Um, as we or even about, or even ironically, or even ironically, exactly. Um, but uh, the the other half of she and him, the him is M Ward, and he is a fantastic guitar player, um, really kind of haunting voice. And and I uh, I, I was given um, their first album uh, from my uh, from from my aunt well danny's danny's aunt and uncle who are contemporaries of ours and they said you need to listen to this you should you will love it and i I remember sitting uh one afternoon listening to it um and then listening to it over and over again and got sort of uh mesmerized by the two of them they're they're excellent so check out check out she and him because i think i think you'd really like them based on what i know about you and your love of music and and guitars and and melody well, and plus Zoe Deschanel. I she's, mean, she's fantastic. Full stop. <laughs> exactly. It's it's pretty hard to beat her. She's uh, there. There's something um, very compelling about watching Zoe be Zoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you follow her on Twitter? She's pretty. She's well. She used to be really active on Twitter. I I don't know if I if I follow her or not. I I might, especially again if if uh, John Roderick has mentioned her. Mm. But uh, yeah, I will check on that. Cool. Glad you. I'm. I, I will uh, revisit New Girl because I, I. I really like that show. Well, season, season two is on Netflix uh, streaming right now, and it's just. It's just. It's so good. I mean, it's just like we. We. I mean, watched the season two when it first came out, and just watching it again, and it's just. It's. It's just as as Kristen was sharing with me tonight. It's one of those shows that's really good to binge on. You could. Mm. You can just watch episode after episode, and they're they're uh, you know, uh, taste great, less filling. You know. <laughs> I love it. I love. I'm going to check it out, or recheck it out. Um, 
I had uh, just to to sort of finish up our iTunes radio discussion. I had some interesting songs pop up in the algorithm as well. I listened to a the Neil Young Crazy or a, I created a Neil Young Crazy Horse uh, channel and had some Stevie Earle and Journey um, show up. The Stevie Earle is questionable. The Journey is not close. It's not. It should not be there. <laughs> no, it should not. I mean, I can just tell you it should not. No. Oh, I, yeah. No, it's that's ridiculous. I, I, yes, I, I am. By the way, as a real-time follow-up, I am following Zoe Deschanel on Twitter. Excellent. Good. Um, I've also really liked... Oh, and uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. You, mentioned, you mentioned Steve Earle. Yes. And you know... You know what show he's in? Um, the Wire. The Wire. Is he? <laughs> yes, he's. Uh, um, he is. Um, I didn't know that. Oh, uh, he's Bubbles. Um, he's Bubbles. Uh, uh, oh, the sponsor. No way. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, now it's getting a little. All right. Now I, I had no idea. I'm just googling that right now. Yeah, there he is. Bubbles sponsor. Yeah, he's so, he's so, and I didn't realize it until after I had – and, you know, I think it's season four of The Wire um, where he, Steve Earle does the the song, the soundtrack song. Right. I, yeah. See, I knew that. I, I'd never yeah. made the, the connection. That's who, yeah. uh, who And that he's, very, he's very good for, for a guy who's not an actor, uh, who, who's a singer. He yeah. really is quite compelling in that role so, oh. and very likable too. The Wire. I mean, come on. Speaking of binge watching uh, – <laughs> <laughs> oh, and speaking of binge watching, I have not started watching The Wire again, and I think the the what's defeating me is that um, it was great when I had my uh, my MacBook that had a CD drive in it, but uh, my my MacBook Pro does not have a CD drive in it, and I carry the CD drive with me, and now I've stopped carrying it. Yes. I think I am still carrying my Wire CDs, which is useless, right? Yeah, you don't um, need those. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to do anything with it now that you have no CD drive. Exactly. And I'm just – I'm still kicking myself because uh, all five seasons were on sale on iTunes and I did not buy them. Oh. But what I have been uh, now is my, my go-to thing and, I, and you, if you were following me on Facebook during my, my flight to uh, Chile, uh, you would have you've seen a, a little bit of a hint as to what I'm watching. So I'm watching uh, Adventure Time uh, on my iPad uh, and I bought uh, season two in, in HD. I still watched season one while I was in Brazil and I got back into it. And watching season two, and uh, that's just such a great show. You're not watching that th- I'm, yet, though. I'm right? not. No, it's not. Yeah, one, you're. I, I'm like a. I'm not a, like a cartoon guy. Isn't that? Is sure, that weird? but that's okay because get it for your kids. Okay. Because it's it's as as a kids show, it's it's good. I mean, it's not it's it's not it's not anything bad. I mean, it, it, they they will enjoy it, and it's it's not like. Uh, I mean, I think it, it, it's positive like educational entertainment for kids and you'll love it too. I guarantee. I mean, I know you're not a cartoon guy, but start watching with your kids and, and I think you'll, I think you'll get into it. And I just read something about the creator uh, Pendleton Ward and I can't remember what it was, but he was, he was notable in the news in the last couple of weeks that made me look up. Oh yeah. That's the guy that made, that makes adventure time. Yeah. He's, he's, and there was an interesting interview with him. I think I linked to a while ago on my, on my Tumblr. He's a, he's a weird dude, but, but boy, that's a good show. Cool. All right. I will, I'll put that in the queue. The boys right now have been really into um, Team Umizumi, which is a counting show in shapes. <laughs> um, very big into that. And good, good. I think Adventure Time would be less educational than that because there's not counting in shapes. Well, okay, that's fine. And the other thing that they're But watching, there's adventure. Adventure is good. And there's time. 
there's <laughs> there's uh, cl- clearly there's got to be some uh uh you know some some measurement of time in there that we can i, I can use as a <laughs> well no, sort of a no, piece. no spoilers but uh but adventure time is actually set in a post-apocalypse uh, version of the world fantastic so. <laughs> well sp- speaking of which i uh watched a um uh, a commercial that came on while we were watching football today for The Walking Dead, uh, AMC show, which I've not watched and I'm not, uh, I haven't been swept up into the zombie craze, although I could be, I just haven't yet. Um, and uh, the boys were somewhat mesmerized by the graphic nature of the uh, commercial uh, for the, the advertisement for it, because there's you know people cutting heads off of zombies with uh, saws, and uh, the the boys are they know about. Uh, zombies based on the uh, uh, popular iOS game Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, I don't think they had seen uh, a zombie be cut up before. So, um, so I'm so so they're ready for non. Um, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, non- post-apocalyptic world and non-educational uh, viewing. They're they're about ready for it. Well, that's that's good. There's zombies in Adventure Time too. So, oh well, then we're set. Um, so you uh, you've been podcast cheating on me again. I have, but um, <laughs> there's a great line. I think it's from a Fountains of Wayne song that says uh, something like, uh, "Can you can you can you really call it cheating um, if uh, if she reminds me of you?" And um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been. Uh, I've been uh I've been podcast cheating with Benjamin um uh but he's not Canadian um uh but, but the other person I podcast cheated on you was Canadian but wasn't named Benjamin but uh yeah so I I did I record yesterday I recorded an episode of um uh I think it's called Pulling the String, which is uh, a podcast done by a, a very cool guy named Benjamin Alexander, who um, is just starting a, a brand new podcast. And again, this shows you the weird way the internet works. Um, but so as I've explained to people, everything that's that's awesome on the internet for me starts with Berlin Man, And then from Merlin, I found out about John Roderick. And then from from uh, Merlin's show with John uh, called Roderick on the Line, I found about, out about this guy who's a Dominican friar in Berkeley whose name is Gabriel. And Gabriel was one of the guests on Benjamin's podcast and Benjamin was looking for other guests and Brother Gabriel suggested me because we've we've I follow him on Twitter, he followed me back and we've communicated a couple of times about about various things and so there you go. I mean and 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 uh, Benjamin's trying hard to 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 get his podcast up and off the ground and he's looking for people to interview. He's he's thinking about like the intersection between technology and business and and obviously I know something about food technology and something about the food business. And so we had just a, a very delightful chat uh, yesterday on the, on the Skype. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, he, I, I started following him after you mentioned that you were podcast cheating with me and I went back through his Twitter feed and, and um, it seems like uh, he's an interesting dude, uh, reads and posts about stuff that, that I'm interested in. So I, I look forward to, uh, to checking out the podcast. So I don't feel so bad. Not like, um, the n- not like the uh, immortal words of the offspring and self-esteem, where 
they say, now I know I'm being used. That's okay, man, because I like the abuse. <laughs> I know she's playing with me. That's okay, because I got no self-esteem. Um, <laughs> it's not like that, Don. It's not good. I'm, 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 I'm glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, he, he really, I was, re- and also the other thing too is because I want to, and he's, he's listened. No, that's the other thing too that he's listened to, because he's good and does his homework. He's listened to a couple of episodes of the show, and he said he really liked it, and that made me feel really good. So somebody, and he's again, he's kind of, he's kind of in our demographic. So I, I as I describe our demographic, it's people that are food safety nerds like us, but also it's people that are nerds that maybe are interested in food, but don't really, they're not, they're not into food safety. And, uh, and he said it was really good. And he liked, he liked the mix of popular culture at the beginning and then getting into to food safety, you know, uh, as, as the, as the, the show went on. And it sounds like he listened to more than one show. So anyway, I was very delighted to hear that. Nice job. Nice job, Benjamin. Cool. Well, yes. yeah, we'll check, we'll check it out. So we'll, we'll, the, what's the name of the podcast again? I think it's called Pulling the String. Um, he's got a website that I can't figure out how to make it work. Um, oh, yes. There we go. It's called Pulling the String. And uh, he's got at least one episode up. And I couldn't, I couldn't find more. But we'll, we'll link to it in, uh, in the show notes. Cool. Awesome. Well, I've got a couple of uh, uh, decent uh, plane trips coming up in the next uh, month or so. So I'm, I'm looking to load up on podcasts. And let me tell you. What I have in the queue ready to go is Roderick on the line because you've talked about it so much. And oh, I you haven't started listening haven't, yet? Bastard. Well, but it's one of these things where, where it's like a binge show. I, I feel like I will like it a lot and then I will have to kick something else out of the queue and I wasn't ready to commit. Well, and it and you pretty much have to start listening at episode one. Right. Because, I mean, you could if – you're if you have a high tolerance for like – stuff you don't understand you can start right now but there's like so it's like it's layers you know and it's built up over over time so you got to start with uh start with the first one and then just go from there i'm gonna go i'm gonna do it um and and now i've got another one pulling the string i'll throw in uh in the queue as well because i'm i like i've really gotten into um listening more to podcasts while i'm sitting on a plane that's that's I yeah I've been sitting on a plane a lot lately and it's just one of those things where and I'll, I I got to tell you a secret Ben um, unless they catch me I listen during takeoff and landing and none of the planes have crashed yet no way <laughs> uh, do you want should like in, should I edit this in post to like fog your voice a little bit with the, one of those effects yeah or I'm going on a, I'm going on a plane tomorrow and if it crashes probably you should just shouldn't put out this okay. episode that's okay uh, <laughs> I can I can do that well I mean if it crashes we'll put we'll put out an episode in Morium but it'll be a best of show okay for, that's good <laughs> with cuts out of this episode um, as Good. sort of an unreleased version that'll come out later on when Perfect. when your estate is settled, but um, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But yeah, no, so I've been I've been listening because there's yeah, like I, I try to tricky, tricky. I, I like I, I always convince myself I, I, I tell myself, Oh well I'll have a plane ride. I'll be able to get work done. And pretty much it's hard unless I unless I get upgraded, it's pretty hard to do serious work, but it's almost always possible to sit and listen to a, a podcast. Although I have to tell you on my I came back from 
uh, Chile and I was listening to an episode of the talk show and uh, I fell asleep. So I had to go back and rewind it. And I, eventually I did make it through the whole, the whole show, but, but it really is a, it's a kind of thing where it's like, okay, I'm here. I got to do something. I really don't want to watch a movie, but I got to do something on the plane. And, and, and if I'm watching a podcast, it feels vaguely productive. Oh, but, but since we're, since we're talking about airplanes now, <laughs> I yeah. want to, I want to plug, I want to plug a movie that I saw on the airplane. Um, and I was so bummed uh, when I discovered that it's not out on, on video yet. But um, or whatever, it's not it's not out uh, on on, on, on uh, iTunes or yeah, or not the, the VHS the or the Betamax. <laughs> <laughs> um, is uh, is the Lone Ranger? Oh, it's good. Such it. a good movie. I cool. mean, it was. I mean, people. I I come back and kind of read some of the reviews about it, but um, it was two hours and fifteen minutes, which on a plane is good because it takes a lot of time. Um, people kind of were complaining that it was overblown and all that, but I just I just found it absolutely delightful, and I love I love Johnny Depp, and he was very good in it, and Army Hammer was very good as a Lone Ranger character, and I just. It was just – I mean I, I literally laughed out loud a couple of times. I think people around me I think you know, were thinking I was like crazy or something. But I, I literally laughed out loud a couple of times during it because it was just that good. So anyway, Lone Ranger, thumbs up. That's awesome. I, w- I want to check it out. Um, very, very cool. Uh, I, I'm a, I, I like Johnny Depp as well. Even in the very odd um, – version of the rum diary because you know i'm a hunter s thompson uh freak but uh, oh yeah i thought i thought the the rum diary was very good i see, enjoyed that I, i'm that was a that was a movie that i watched on a plane on my ipad there you go and uh i, I it got i mean really panned by by you know the popular press and the critics um but it was uh but i liked i like johnny depp in it i mean the guy he's he's pretty good also a couple of weeks ago when we were in uh florida and took the boys back to to disney um we saw uh went through the pirates of the caribbean and and i don't know if you've had a chance to be uh go on the pirates of the caribbean ride pre and post pirates of the caribbean explosion in the movies but the but um Captain Jack Sparrow is Johnny Depp throughout <laughs> the whole thing. Like it's his likeness. It's pretty awesome. I, I have not. And you know, I have to say, when I first heard that Disney was making a movie about a ride, <laughs> I said, that's got to really suck. But we we've watched all of the Pirates movies and they're all delightful. I mean, they're all just fantastic fun entertainment. It's it's and Johnny, John and Keith. Keith. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's it's hard to beat the combination of those two for for entertainment. Um, I, I'm not sure if I can segue into anything after pirates, Don. I'm not sure. Oh well, well let's let's. I don't think so. But let's talk about um, the other thing. We'll we'll. How about we go to practical tips? So I wrote Ooh, yes. my next president's column, my my IAFP president president's column while I was in Chile. I guess that's a segue, right? Because I was talking about coming back on the plane from Chile. Um, and uh, I was talking about the government shutdown. And, and so as we record this, it's the middle of October. I hope to God by the time this podcast is released, the shutdown is over. But um, and, and what I was talking about in my president's column was about how much the shutdown is affecting my ability to do all the things that I do. Um, Including emailing people. 
including emailing people to do like what, what, and I guess, you know, so for food safety professionals that are listening, this will not be new to you, but regular people who are listening, what you don't understand is that government scientists are part of the engine that drives the progress of science. And when government professionals go dark because they're required to go dark because of the the government shutdown. They're actually banned from using their government. I got an email tonight actually from a colleague of ours who is going to be on a conference call tomorrow on IAFP business who was – I saw that an email message was sent sent to her via her government email and I I had her – a personal email for her and so I forwarded the message and I said, you know, because probably you're not getting this. And she says, yes, we're actually forbidden from checking our government email address, our government uh, email accounts. Um, so anyway, I was generally complaining about the government shutdown and how it's stopping government scientists from helping with the business of food safety, including peer-reviewing manuscripts, including traveling to international conferences, including serving on committees. And and then the other thing was that it, it a number of government websites are shut down and, and this is this is potentially problematic. And one of the things that I did, even though the, the tip I guess the tip may come um, uh, too late to help people with with the current government shut shutdown. But one of the the great and I, I, I hopefully enlightened my my graduate student who asked me who was sent me a message about something or other and said, "Well, I I wanted to look for this, but I couldn't because the government websites are shut down." Um, I said, "Look, I'm going to tell you about an awesome thing," and, and and I did the same thing in my president's column, and that is I talked about the Wayback Machine. Now, Ben, do you know what the Wayback Machine is? Oh, yes, I do, and yeah. and I've used it in the last uh, 13 days. Oh, have you really? I have. I have. So, so the the Wayback Machine um, is not. Now, do you remember? Um, do you remember Mr. Peabody? <laughs> it's probably before your time. I'm, I'm sorry, we've not crossed paths. Uh, we'll see if you if you Google if you search for Wayback Machine and and like a number about about four or five down on the Google's going to help you by filling in the search. You'll see Wayback Machine cartoon, and if you click on that, you go to the Wikipedia oh. entry for Mr. Peabody. Okay, so yes, and, I do remember <laughs> this. I didn't know it was called the Wayback machine all right well very good so so this was a staple of my childhood that is uh, sherman and mr P- mr peabody mr peabody is a talking dog who wears glasses who because you know he's smart well, and, he's, and so he's is got sherman. problems <laughs> and uh, anyway so um but but that's th- that so th- th- there's the wayback machine on sherman and mr peabody um which is part of uh, rocky and bullwinkle um but no but the wayback machine i'm talking about is something called Wayback Machine on the Internet Archive. Um, and this this is – and you can type in Wayback Machine and you'll find it. Um, and I never remember what it's really actually called, so I always end up typing in Wayback Machine. Uh, but, but it's uh, archive.org slash web. And what this is is this is a tremendous service that basically crawls the web and, and archives everything – Essentially, as near as I can tell, everything on the web. And this is great if you ever have a situation where you you had a URL for something and it's disappeared, um, and you want to know what it was was it, that was at that URL. I mean, just absolutely incredible. So, um, so we'll link to that in the show notes. I um, having 
uh, plugged it in my president's column, I said, you know what, I should just make, I had, I didn't previously have an account. So I made an account and I gave them a donation because honestly, I mean, this is like, this is saving our butts while the government is shut down and we can't get access to government websites. So you can't, it doesn't give you current information, obviously, because it's not magic. But if you wanted something that appeared on a government website, say, you know, last year or six months ago, you go into the Wayback Machine, you put in the URL and it shows you the last time it crawled to that URL and you can access a cached version of it. So fantastic, absolutely useful. If you don't know about it, that right there pays for your, your cost of membership on this podcast. Are you there, Ben? My microphone was off. I was even talking. Um, absolutely. <laughs> and not only is it, um, it, it, it doesn't just give you like the most current snapshot. I, I mean, I think that's the, the coolest part about the Wayback Machine is you can go and see, you know, um, uh, I'm looking at FDA.gov, like the the big main splash page, and they have versions from um, you know August 5th, 6th, 7th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th. I mean, for for some of the high traffic um, sites, uh, it's being crawled over and over again. So so if there's something that you may have seen a long time ago, and that um, you know even with the government shut down, uh, it, it, you know assuming that that ever ends at, at at some point, um, you can go back and, and check out those old URLs and figure out what it is. I think it's a, it's a fantastic, um, uh, tool. I, I use it. I mean, we actually used to use it a lot in the, um, news gathering world or when we were doing media analysis, when we would lose, we would have a story, but we couldn't find the original, um, to go back and, and find out, you know, who the author was or, or go, you know, find something. And it's, uh, it, it's a fantastic tool. And I've never, um, donated or, or made an account, and I think that's a that's a that's an honorable step, John, well, Don. That's yeah, good. and I know I noticed it was a five hundred one c three nonprofit. And I'm like, oh well, crap. Then we ought to give them money, right? Because yeah. this is they're they're not out there to make a buck, right? They're they're just out there to to perform a good service. So, and if you go to the the main page, <clears throat> they have different things linked there. And I don't know if they're serving up different versions to people, but when I go to archive.org and I look under live music, um, the last time I looked and the time that I'm looking right now, I see that they have some awesome Grateful Dead shows. So I was, while I was down in Chile, I was, uh, when I wasn't listening to Grateful Dead radio on iTunes, I was uh, streaming live music, uh, Grateful Dead shows. So pretty cool. Awesome. Another one of my favorite bands uh, is in the internet archive, uh, My Morning Jacket. Um, Indeed. I love love those guys. Love love them. In fact, I have gone through many a phase in the last five or six years where I would have uh, pegged them as best band in the world. Uh, but all of their live shows are uh, are archived. They they uh, uh, support um, the, similar to the to the Grateful Dead and the Dead on uh, recording shows and sharing that music out and uh, not you know not so bootleg bootlegs. So check check out yeah, Internet Archive is pretty pretty awesome cool so 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 um we got a we got a little message from uh dr icb dr uh, indian clarified butter indeed and uh and i and i i posted something on the internet about i sent uh, i sent a picture of the stuff that he had sent to me and uh and thoroughly confused my wife <laughs> so that i that i had to explain explain the message about dr icb and why he was sending me stuff and it just sounded very silly when i explained it to her when you said it out loud right when it wasn't yeah. just you and me 
and inductor ICB. Exactly. Um, exactly. Since since we've talked, no, I'm trying to think. I it may have been. I've seen. I have in in the flesh had dinner with Doctor ICB. Um, no, we must have recorded since then. No, at forty nine. Anyway, um, but what um, what he promised. Uh, when I had dinner with him uh, a couple of weeks ago was that he would send an email to the two of us with some, some stuff uh, for follow-up and, and he came through because Dr. ICB does that. Um, and uh, so let, let me read uh, the email um, that he, that he sent on to us. And he has, uh, I guess a couple of things he wants us to, wants us to discuss. Um, so food safety talk saved me a little bit of research following the annual IFP meeting. I spent the rest of the week at my in-laws in Western North Carolina. Since they have a bit of land set up for a plentiful garden, they end up with a number of vegetables for canning. When discussions turned to canning, the recently discovered convenient method of oven canning was brought up by my in-laws. From the food safety talk discussions, I could tell them there is a healthy risk of underprocessing with that method, and they should contact their state extension professional, which I need to add uh, in parentheses, which would might be me, depending on where they are, um, or the University of Georgia's National Center for Home Food Preservation for additional information. In fact, um, I, I did uh, talk to Aaron a little bit about this, and, and they have some very good family and consumer science uh, agents who do a lot of canning programming in uh, in their area. So wouldn't end up uh uh they wouldn't they wouldn't be contacting me which would be cool i'd love to talk to uh to dr icb's um in-laws and in fact i met mrs uh dr icb uh as well and she's very she's very lovely um and is also uh, listening to us and i think i mentioned that on on the last uh oh that's very nice um podcast yeah um and so he also uh, sent us something uh, from the salt, and which is, uh, you know, the, the blog. This is the NPR's uh, food blog, and he writes the blog that keeps on giving the FST discussions um, is an open source Kickstarter funded HACCP plan, um, and he wanted, he asked us what are the thought, what are our thoughts on this idea. HACCP plans are very difficult to make. One size fits all. Even for food companies making the same product in different locations can have different levels of risk when historical factors unique to that plant come into play, especially around physical assessments. Hopefully, if the campaign goes uh, forward, Underground Meats does partner with their local university for additional guidance. And um, let me uh, bring this up. And I, I think you and I had a, an email discussion maybe about this or um, texted back and forth a while ago. But what, what Aaron's um, referring to is uh, this group um, uh, called the Underground Meats. And uh, they are a... A, a niche meat processor assistance network and they the quote in this uh this article on on the salt is usda food safety inspection service wants you to demonstrate the food you make is safe explains arian uh uh tiba mary founder of the niche meat processor assistance network they put out performance standards but they don't tell you how People have tried a lot of different ways. Um, the focus is on results rather than process, which means as long as you meet the safety requirements of the CCPs, you have some leeway in how you get there. Um, and what uh, this underground meets of Madison, Wisconsin is all about uh, is uh, a, 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 an open source uh, way to do HACCP. And I don't know, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if you looked at it. I don't know how, I don't quite understand exactly um, what that means other than, um, uh, you buy into the, to the Kickstarter and you get the, 
uh, knowledge of someone who has gone through the process to help you through it. But I don't know. What's well, your, I, what's your take? I bought into the Kickstarter and they're going to send me some sausage. Oh, well, hey, there you go. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, I wish I got some sausage. And I, I could have paid 25 bucks and get you some sausage, yeah, Ben. I was just in Madison, Wisconsin and I ate some sausage. <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, I I was intrigued by the idea <clears throat> that that somebody would put a Kickstarter out. Uh, I think that there. I mean, who who knows, right? It's Kickstarter, so it's kind of like it's kind of like a gamble. But I, I thought that they were they were they had a good idea, and so I figured, what the hell? And you know, we can always uh, I can always take the the sausage to my lab and and test it and see, and see if it's safe. Right, well, and, um, and explain to us on the uh, on the podcast on what, the podcast, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I know Wisconsin does have a lot of these small meat processors. Uh, Steve Ingham, who's a guy I went to graduate school with for a long time, was the extension specialist there. Uh, he and I uh, collaborated on on some juice processing research and then some some predictive modeling type research. I think he has since left the university, although his wife uh, still works there, and I think he actually works uh, like heads up food safety. Uh, in the Department of Ag in the whole state, um, so he may be working kind of on the on the regulatory side now. Um, and then the the other group that you mentioned is this niche meat processing group. Um, and I don't know, do you are you are you plugged into what they're doing? The no. niche meat processors assistance network. Not not really. I just saw that they're some somehow linked um, here, and it sounded like a very similar um, focus. So no, I'm not really plugged in beyond. A little bit of reading. Right. So the Niche Meat Processors Assistance Network is a couple of folks. Uh, it's Aaron Theobury that you mentioned at, at Iowa State and then Lauren Gwynn at Oregon State. And they're part of Cooperative Extension. And, and they have set up this network of basically small meat processors that can talk to other small meat processors to kind of deal with the trials and tribulations of being somebody that wants to, let's say, have a flock of chickens and then slaughter them and sell them to their local market. So it, it is a very traditional extension clientele. Um, and they're, they're really doing good things. I mean, they're, you know, I'm, I'm subscribed. They have a listserv, which I'm subscribed to. I, I mostly just monitor it. Don't, don't participate too often. A lot of the questions are not necessarily food safety related. I mean, a lot of them are like, gosh, how did, what do you, what's your favorite bandsaw, you know, or <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite kind of vacuum packager or what, you know, so it's, it's sort of, again, it's looking at these practical problems that small companies have because they just, you know, they're, they're, they don't know the answer to the question and, and and the probably the best people to answer it you know historically might have been extension folks but but now it's probably other small meat processors who are facing the same problem in another state so so i don't know i mean it's uh i've heard you know some uh, criticism or cynicism about the kickstarter saying well you know these 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 uh plans these has the generic HACCP plans are already out there why do they need a kickstarter to make one but but I, I, I don't know i mean like i said i i spent the 25 bucks and like i said they're gonna send me some sausage so i i don't know it's pretty cool and the and the guy uh the guy in the the npr photo uh he's got a tattoo and a beard net so how bad could that be that's yeah, that that, that part's pretty awesome. I'm, I, I'm as, you know, I, I've been delving into more, 
internet stuff um lately and i i'm a fan of the sharing i'm a fan of the non-traditional ways that that um networks and communities get together and and how they they do move things uh forward for you know either issues or or their own members in in the group and and if something like this could help um small meat processors figure out the um, the technical aspect of things that are in those generic HACCP plans that FSIS has, and, and it really leads to someone doing good stuff in a in a facility, then I'm all for it. I mean, I think that's uh, it, 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 there's there's no you know one way to to get at producing safer food. So yeah, I've I think I shared um, in. Uh, either the message back to Aaron or to you uh, that there are some folks that had also shared that uh, um, cynicism with the with the process. But I, I guess uh, the more I look into things, the and the more I get into this, there's um, there are lots of people within the traditional framework that um, don't understand how someone outside the traditional framework wouldn't use the traditional framework. <laughs> you know, know what I'm saying? Like, like that there's other ways to get at it, not just um, through extension in, in the regulatory world. And, and, well, this, and it sounds like this might might be one of the ways it might work, maybe. And here's the thing. I mean, as, as extension professionals, like, we're really busy, right? <clears throat> and, and I don't have time to help every – although I did get an email from somebody – from the, who's on the the niche meat processing listserv, and and she asked me a question, and I responded, and then she posts the question, a similar question later to the to the listserv. But it's it's like we don't always have time to help these people. And honestly, if if a, a small meat processor is calling me with a food safety question, I can help I can help them. But a, a small meat processor in New Jersey is calling to ask me about the best bandsaw to buy for cutting up <laughs> beef. I have no friggin' idea, Ben, right? So you just know your bandsaw. Right. <laughs> you know, like you just I, I Right, which is only for human flesh, Ben. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's for zombies, Don. Um I just use a chainsaw. <laughs> um but but so so I mean I mean that that's what the internet is all about, right? It, it's putting small groups of people who small individual small geographically but large collectively. I mean if there's Right, there might be like ten people in the state of New Jersey, but guess what? There's hundreds across the country, and they're all sort of facing the same problem. So why shouldn't the internet connect them, and why shouldn't the internet allow them to work together? And and yeah, yeah, if they need experts like us, or or like the the woman that we talked about last time that uh, was interviewed on on Glenn Fleischman's show about about. Uh, you know, setting up a canning website. I mean, she's performing a great service and she acknowledges where she doesn't know information. She's directing people to the National Center for Home Food Preservation. Why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we want to leverage the work that she's doing? Because it's lightening our load. It's letting us, you know, do what we do best. And, and, and she's, she's, she's doing that traditional extension work in many ways. Uh, this is the, let's talk about this. Cause I, I'm a, I, I like the direction of the conversation here because I think that um, in my in my experience in in the world of extension, there is this sense of two things, um, and I'd say that this is uh, the, the, these two things are both at the local county level 
as well as at the state level. And it's one, whatever the topic area is, we, we, and I'm using the uh, Richard fingers uh, in this, um, own this. You know, we're the, we're the people that do this. And if someone is not us doing it, then either they're not very good or um, they're stepping on our toes. And by us, you mean extension? Yes. Yes, I do. And, and the, the, the sex, so that's the, this overarching concept is that whatever it is, if it's food safety, pesticide, well, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's we, we, we extension own this and, and the others are no good. Um, and, and two is we better own it because we have to justify what we do to some powers that be, whether that be um, uh, within the university system, in the state government, wh- who owns funding, whatever. These are, these are just two things that, um, that, I, that I've seen. And this kind of stuff, I think, um, threatens or, or those individuals sometimes because it's – and I've seen it with canning a lot um, where, well, I mean, we are the people that do canning. So if anybody comes out with canning, they're, they're clearly not, you know, not, not, uh, evidence-based or, or whatever we want to fall back on. And I am of the mind that I own nothing <laughs> that I, I mean, all I own are the words that I write. And other than that, the technical information that, that we have is open source and it should be open source because we're paid by taxpayers to, to do it. Um, and, uh, and, and if someone else wants to to jump in, just like just like you said, and 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 do good agricultural practices because they have a real keen uh, need for that, and they want to deliver good agricultural practice training uh, to uh, to small businesses, uh, you know, small farmers, then then I'm I'm all for it because um, it frees me up to do other things that that maybe others don't have the expertise or the drive or the um, the latitude to do. So it's but I, but I, I I've had discussions within um a couple of my colleagues here where that's like i mean not i don't know radical or or something but it's it's like a it bucks the trend of what extension don't give up anything but i i mean if we're really good at something then we don't need to tell people we're we're the only ones who do it or we don't need to um put people uh put their approaches down um it's it's more about let's move you know for me it's more about move food safety forward uh and and that the 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 way the internet works in this whole democracy is is awesome i mean that's that's the thing is it's it, it, people get kind of scared about those folks who we wouldn't term as experts jumping in um but it gives us an opportunity to maybe uh to to be bigger players uh elsewhere or even act as our as true t- you know uh technical assistance uh there but it's I, I don't know have you i mean you've been around this world of extension a lot longer than i have is that has that changed like would you do you get the same kind of sense as what i've i've just shared I think there there very much is a perception in some ways that we are the ultimate arbiters of truth, and that's baloney, right? Yeah. Um, on the other hand, we do have something to contribute, and we should contribute it. But but the world has I don't know if you've noticed this, Ben. The world has changed. Oh, has. We have this we have this thing called the internet. Do you you're probably too young, but I remember what the world was like before we had the internet. <laughs> well, I remember that I couldn't look up song lyrics. Right? Yeah, song <laughs> lyrics or I don't know, Passive science, yeah. publications. <laughs> I, I remember 
I have to, I had to use to, well, first I went to the library and then I sent undergraduates to the library to make photocopies on a photocopier. And I took those photocopies and I put them in a manila folder in a filing cabinet. Yeah. I, <laughs> and my, and my big innovation was that I had a, a computer database with keywords and my predecessor, he had a folder that was named like with the thing that the reference related to <laughs> and, and heaven help him if, if one reference ought to be in two different places with two different folder <laughs> names, right? So my innovation was a computer database to make keywords so that I could I – could, and, and I filed them numerically in the order that I found them, right? Um, and now I have a, a computer program that does the same thing. But the the references are actually in PDF form, and they're actually physically, you know, linked to in that in that database, uh, electronically linked to in that database. So, the world has changed, and 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 we in extension, we better change with it. And and my God, I have enough to do, Ben. I don't need more work to do. And if somebody else can do the work that I'm doing because they love it, or because they can make money writing a blog about it like uh like amazing meats or amazing ribs or whatever that website is called yeah. um god and and at least he's married to a food microbiologist so hopefully she'll keep him on the straight and narrow but 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 you know the, the we ought to be we ought to be looking for ways to leverage that i mean it sounds like you know douchey business speak but we ought to be leveraging what people are doing already and figure out the thing that only i can do or figure out the thing that only you can do and then do that can so i i mean i i can't agree with you more uh, um have you i mean do you do so much more work now than you did then because of immediate access and full text search like i i don't have a concept of uh, of what you know that someone has a question about something, say it was about cooling and perfringens, and I didn't know, I didn't have something in my folder, so I had to go get, you know, I didn't have to send somebody to the library or go to the library or do whatever, and then go spend um, some set amount of time trying to find the piece of literature, uh, and then fish through that literature to see whether it's got the answer for me. Like, I mean, do you feel that you do you know, a magnitude of 10 times the work that you do, like that you would have done had you been stuck in that system where you spend a lot of time searching and not a lot of time on, well, I mean, I'm sure you still spend a lot of time on synthesis and, and a response, but, but searching has, has, you know, gotta be, uh, you know, 10% uh, or a 10th of the time. Yeah. And the other thing too, honestly, Ben, consumers have stopped calling me. Mm. Like, I don't know if the, if they're just looking on the internet or they're calling at the, the county office, but they're not, they're, I mean, I, except for crazy Dave, <laughs> you can talk about crazy Dave some other time. Um, crazy Dave's worried about his cookware, but, um, and the cat lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's cat lady's <laughs> New Jersey cousin. Um, but, uh, consumers don't call me anymore because I think they're finding the information that they need. And yeah, and to a certain extent, I can search for stuff. Sometimes the stuff I want to search for, the problem is, is that the internet is is great because it has everything, but the internet is a problem because it has everything. Mm-hmm. 
And so sometimes when I want to search for something, I can't find the thing that I need. And, and then if I go into Google Scholar, sometimes that helps. And then honestly, Wikipedia is tremendously helpful. I was looking for something the other day and I came across a website that had a bunch of stuff about climate change. And you know, this climate change argument sucks me in every time because there are some people out there that think that climate change is not real and I get sucked in by those arguments. <laughs> and then and then, and then, and then I, I – this last time, I was like, oh, I'm wasting too much time on this. Let me see what Wikipedia says. And there was a wonderful Wikipedia page about the controversy about climate change and it spelled it all out for me. I'm like, I can read this Wikipedia page and then I can go on and get on with my life and not worry about <laughs> this anymore. So I, I – yeah, I mean – Yes, I spend less time searching, but the problem is is that you never reach the end of the internet, right? I mean, there's always one more page, one more thing to check. But but I, I so part of it is a matter of like figuring out well when is good enough to like say okay, um, and that, that I have enough information to answer this. But then you have to be careful too, like, and we can get to this at some point. Um, <laughs> like the 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 Twitter exchange that I have today, where where I said I sent a message to a complete stranger saying there's so many problems with that article <laughs> that you just linked to they don't fit in 140 characters, <laughs> and and then this person who got upset and made me a little upset he says your response is completely useless at least you could have done was provide a link to another article. <laughs> I, I actually just like I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> my response or his response the, the whole the, the whole, whole discourse um the, yeah the the best was <laughs> that you, you mentioned i just like the phrasing of it this article is useless and his response your response is completely useless <laughs> <laughs> oh good yeah so i i mean i i, I get exactly um uh you know, what you're saying i just feel like we um we can spend more time now on connecting with so many more people and, and answering some of those. I mean, I guess maybe the, the job's always been in, been the same where you have very specific questions from very specific people in a specific scenario. Um, now I, I, you may be able to spend more time on uh, getting more in-depth information from those folks as opposed to taking the little bit of piece that you have and then going into the literature and like and and having to search things out but i i know what you mean on the you know there there's a lot to fish through um out there and you may not always get to um a, a comfortable end uh, of of what you're searching for i yeah i just i I mean, I, I guess the the point is, I get so frustrated about who owns food safety, and none of us do. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. And as soon as we realize that, we'll all be a whole lot better off and figure out, you know, what part of food safety, what part of food safety we can own, or what part of food safety we can we can have a stake in, and then just be awesome at that, you know, and then let the other stuff go and and just fit in, like figure out where where we are part of the. Um, the story out there. Yeah, no, I'm, 
I'm I'm with you. It's just it's yeah. It's one of those. Did you speaking of the speaking of the internet and and food safety and this particular person who whose whose name is Frank whose Twitter handle is Frankly, which I got to give him props for. That's pretty awesome. Um, okay. uh, did you see what I I I, I was I had to vent because I was just I was just just I was just as Michelle would say I was raging about this and uh, I had to post it on uh, on on Facebook and did you see did you see Doug's response? Yes. <laughs> so we'll link to this in the show notes but our but our uh, friend uh, Doug Powell said the article was completely useless and plenty of resources out there and of course my response to him was I love you um uh, and somebody like that i don't think it was Doug but then his response back to me was uh my students used to tell me 10 years ago in that sardonically hipster manner whenever i asked for verification verification of something Dr. Professor, there's this thing, pregnant pause for effect or sneer. It's called Google. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I might have been one of those people. <laughs> I forgot about that. You would have been. <laughs> uh, oh, that's but, great. But, I, but I, over the years, I've just learned to not do that anymore. <laughs> And I've been more prescriptive with Doug because it just describing that it's called Google will will result in multiple more questions on how to maybe use it. Um. But, but you know, but you know, there is this there is this great uh, uh, website called Let Me Google That for You. You know about this, right? No, that one I don't know about. Oh, okay. Um, so what this is is. Um, what I, I'll I'll find it here, but but it's it's a site called Let Me Google That for You, and and it's the the uh, the uh, crap I just lost it. Um, the 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 uh, URL is LMGTFY, right? Which stands for Let Me Google That for You. And what you can do is you you type in, you go to that website, you type in a Google search, and then. It creates a link that you can send to the person, which provides this little animated <laughs> diagram of so – I can't believe you don't know about – No. Of, of them typing in that question and then sending them to the Google page, which is like – anyway, we should do that only for friends, not for clients, not for extension clients because that, that makes them look like idiots. That was that <laughs> And then they might send a message to your dean, so right. don't do that. Well, I just – so I, as you were telling me about it, I just clicked on it and I was like, let me Google. Okay, I'll type in food safety. And then I see it generates this link. I'm like – so I try to click on it. I was like, what is this? So I then put it back in and I see as you were describing it that it was typing on my uh, screen for me and that is amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, use that, use that judiciously. Yeah. Was that so hard is my favorite. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so good. Cool. Um, well, well, that's a lot of follow up, Don. <laughs> it is, and we have, we haven't even gotten to the show yet. No, and I still do want to talk about this article for for my friend, my new friend, frankly. Um, and then I'm sure there's much more we can talk about as well. Yeah, let's talk about the frankly article. Okay, let's jump in right now because we're, we're all right. There. All right. So, um, should we 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 should we do the thing that we usually do that we haven't done yet? Which is uh, the history of IFE? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We should. Okay. <clears throat> history. History of IAFP. That's my whammy bar. I brought it for that. 
Um, so, and and you put this in the show notes, right? I did. I put it in the show notes. I did a little oh, uh, little preparation. Good, good, good for you. So this uh, th- this week's. Uh, and now in the history of IAFP, was prepared by our good friend and colleague, Callie Neal. And um, uh, Callie uh, writes here that uh, this enhanced emphasis on public health was due in part to the fact that an increasing proportion of the population was age was was over age 45. Uh, one aspect of the National Sanitation Program, uh, as, as in 1950 sanitation program, was preventative sanitation, which included an aspect of education for healthy people of the community compared to the curative sanitation, where the majority of efforts had been spent previously on what was thought to be only a small part of the public. The importance of good sanitation was seen by all, including the armed forces, where adverse environmental health issues concerning insanitation were believed to cause more damage than enemy bullets. So pretty pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and um, this was from the uh, history of IAFP that was published in uh, Food Protection Trends, and this was the um, uh, into the 50s uh, is our, our next spot. And I, I like this one um, because it, you know, as, as Callie writes, it kind of seems to be the shift away from um, uh, treating symptoms and post, uh, you know, in the public health world, uh, you, there's more at, fo- focused on sanitation, public health and food safety, uh, as opposed to symptoms afterwards. And there was one other part um, that Callie wrote that I wanted to highlight, which was, um, it has some, uh, nuances that fit today's world. And and she writes that reporting of foodborne diseases was considered poor by the majority of states and was thought to be impacted by people's travels and the increased numbers of women employed in offices and industries. Um, And so, and there's a, um, Callie actually has a reference uh, for that where uh, one of the, you know, one of the thoughts was, okay, there's, we don't know a whole lot about uh, foodborne disease, but when we do see illnesses, um, it could be because there are more men at home um, trying to cook dinners uh, as opposed to the traditional uh, female uh, home, which is, I mean, just an incredible um, sort of assumption and, you know, looking at it from today's <laughs> world, but, but I don't, I, mean, I don't know. I I've, live in I've, the heard 50s. Peop, I've heard people say the same thing about, uh, you know, why does foodborne illness go up in the summer? It's because dad's out there cooking could on the grill. Could be, could be. I just thought that was when I read through, I was like, Oh, that's a cool little, uh, cool little thing. Um, the other the other thing that I like about what what she wrote and what you what you put here is in the 1950s uh, she writes scientists asked quote how valid were the claims that E. coli was the index to sanitation end quote guess what Ben we're still asking the yeah. same question how valid are indicators for indi- indicating the presence of foodborne pathogens and and there's the the people's answers are all over the map yeah it's it's cool that I mean the technology has changed and we you know we talked about this in in 49 a little bit um, and for 48 uh, as well on uh, um, uh, milk stuff, but I mean technology changed, but the but the the questions are still central, right? It's how do we put? Uh, we need to put more emphasis on prevention as opposed to treating symptoms and control at the end, or treating problems at the end. Um, are we looking at the right things uh, for indicators of, of something? Because we can't look at everything, and um, uh, it, you know the, those two things I think we'll we'll always wrestle with. Um, in, in food safety. Uh, do you, uh, so let me, before we get into something, I actually had this, like, 
I, I don't know. Every once in a while, you know, you have these dreams and epiphanies and, and whatever. Um, do you think that 50, 60 years from now will have some sort of technology like pasteurization that gets applied to foods in general? And although it won't eliminate our, you know, what, the types of things we focus on because there'll be other pathogens out there and there'll be, you know, whatever. But but something big uh, – <laughs> here's here's a late-night Sunday prediction. Don, something big's going to happen soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that that's a good question. And I guess when I am imagining the future, I am not imagining some big <clears throat> pasteurization device. I am imagining – Star Trek tricorders, oh. and I'm imagining scanning the food for E. coli. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's what I'm imagining. Yeah. I, you go to the store and you get out your tricorder or your, you know, your Apple <laughs> Apple tricorder. Yeah, Apple, yeah. Is that like an Apple like, bong? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not. Okay, I'm pretty sure I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay, yeah, me either. Yeah. <laughs> I I just I just read about that on the internet. Um, so you got um, your Apple tricorder. Yeah. Get your Apple tricorder and you, you press a button and you say, oh, there's, there's, a, there's no salmonella in that one. You know, so I, I, that's, that, honestly, that's the futuristic uh, technology that I imagine is, is a handheld pathogen scanning device. Huh. That's cool. And like picking up something, some, some uh, signals that we, don't, we, we maybe haven't even identified yet. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some way to they'll, they'll just figure that out. That's just details. Yeah, cool, cool, good. Okay, sorry to I, I, we digress. So let's talk about hand washing and hand sanitizer because this actually leads in nicely. Let's talk about frankly. Um, you okay? So I I don't know exactly the start of this thread. No, actually, I do know the start of it. Is Dan Benjamin posted <laughs> Benjamin. a picture of hand, uh, Purell hand sanitizer in New York City, and and then frankly responded to Dan. Um, with a uh, with an article saying there's science or or something like no, that. No, his response was science, and then he links to a post from biology.about.com. Right. And let me and and up. and the post that he linked to is um, and there's no got it got it. There's no date on it that I can see because it's because um, uh, about.com is like a. Um, encyclopedia. It's, un, it's undated. Uh, okay, right. Got it. It's like a Wikipedia, but wrong. But, but for but for books, <laughs> but on the internet. Okay, <laughs> and, um, and wrong. Anyway, and 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 so this says hand sanitizers versus soap and water, and it's by somebody named Regina Bailey, and uh, it's a, and, and I, I should say, in the interests of full disclosure. Um, I have friends that work at Gojo that makes Purell. That's a hand sanitizer company. Um, I have taken money from the soap and detergent industry. Uh, I've had dinners bought for me by the hand sanitizer companies. So I'm an industry shill basically, Ben. Of course you are. I didn't, so, want, to, I didn't want to say that, but you yeah, are. So. <laughs> um, but, that's, but why, that's why I like you. Because it's 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 predictable, uh, and um, it makes I mean it just makes for a nice uh, fabricated podcast. I, 
I think there somewhere I have an email message that uh, that where Carl Custer says I'm not an industry shill, so I can provide that as proof <laughs> that I'm not an industry shill. I I have, to, but in, in all fairness, I have taken money from the industry, but I'll be I'll be damned if anybody's going to tell me what to say, no matter where they're from or or how much money they've given me. So. Um, I'll read to you from the article and then I'll periodically rant. So it says uh, antibacterial hand sanitizers are marketed to the public as an effective way to quote uh, or uh, Richard Fingers wash one's hands when traditional soap and water are not available. These Richard Fingers waterless products are particularly popular with parents of small children. Manufacturers of hand sanitizers claim the sanitizers kill 99.9% of germs. Um, uh, blah blah blah. Um, so, and you know the the reason why manufacturers claim that, and this is this is actually a rather subtle issue, and it's 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 one that I eventually came to realize. the 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 claims that hand sanitizer manufacturers can make are incredibly tightly regulated, and in fact, if because hand sanitizers are regulated essentially as a pesticide, they can only be tested and only and claims can only be made in a very specific way. And and if if hand sanitizer manufacturers were to make a test in a different way and make a claim about that, they would actually be violating the law. Now, in fact, this is stupid, okay, th- th- that they have to do this. It's true. But it is the rule that they have to follow. I, I do okay? like – in fact, it is stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's the, uh, that's the framework. That's what they've – that's what they got to deal with. So, um, so again, c- c- continuing on with this article, how do hand sanitizers work? Hand sanitizers work by stripping away the outer layer of oil on the skin – um, okay, well, that's true, but they also work because they contain ethanol or other types of alcohol, and alcohol is toxic to bacteria, right? So, so in fact, there's a variety of studies that have been done. My, my graduate student and sometimes podcast listener, uh, Dane Jensen, is, is actually doing a comprehensive literature search and meta-analysis on – People that have studied the effect of, of alcohol-based hand sanitizers and other antimicrobials on uh, bacteria on hands, and we're we're not quite ready to publish that, but we're still working on it. Um, so, at, at, but but for the most part, that's a well-established fact. Um, and and now the article goes on. In review of the research, Barbara Almanza, an associate professor at Purdue University who teaches safe sanitation practices to workers, came to an interesting conclusion. So I have to ask, Barbara may be a very nice person. Have you ever heard of her? Um, yeah. Okay. But, but not – okay. So I've, I've heard of her because I, she, she wrote one paper that I've re- – <laughs> oh, oh, well, she wrote one paper. Yeah, yeah, that I've referenced. <laughs> okay. I've never um, – I don't know anything else about her other than that. Um, well, she, when you – yeah. When you when you Google her, well, when you Google Barbara Almanza, an associate professor of, of uh, an associate professor, the the top link is hand sanitizers no substitute for food safety at Purdue University link. So, and the second link is uh, is is the uh, bi- uh, biology dot about dot com. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. I, okay. Let me tell you what I have actually the, where where this is where I know her from. She's okay. done some work. Um, with a couple of folks um, 
uh, Mag Binkley. Uh, I know Mag. Okay, and uh, Bob From Frash. Mag's at Texas Tech. Uh, she I th- is or she was. at Texas or she's at Ohio State now. I think maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, or per, or Purdue maybe. I'm not sure exactly where she is. But um, a- anyway, so so Barb. And I think was a an advisor to this guy Bob Frash, who I know um, through one of my co-advisors at Guelph. Anyway, they wrote some stuff not about hand sanitizer at all. Where I know them about is impact of manager certification on food safety knowledge, as well as um, health inspection scores and and how they correlate to um, some work they did with observation. So not you know not on the technical aspect of sanitizer, but on the um, you know, food safety management strategy stuff. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just actually looking at um, Barbara's website right now, and and looking at selected publications, and yeah, so she's published in Journal of Environmental Health, uh, Culinary Science, Hospitality and Tourism, Food Service Business, so so kind of and an Journal of the American Dietetic Association, so kind of food service oriented. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's how I know her. So, but again, um, so she did this, she came to this conclusion by reviewing research, but it's... She just came to a conclusion. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And, and, you know, she may be the biggest fan of the podcast, so we shouldn't beat up on her too, too, too soundly here. But, but anyway, so, but again, it's just that, I guess that's kind of an interview with her. So I don't, I don't know. Um, Or I guess maybe it's this, this website we talked, this, the, this thing that we talked, we talked about this, this, uh, press release from Purdue or something. So do do you think that this is like a case of not understanding the difference between bacteria and what's out there on norovirus? Like as I read as I read that whole paragraph, um Barb Alamanza came to an interesting conclusion, notes that the research shows that hand sanitizers do not significantly re- reduce the number of bacteria on the hand and in some cases may potentially increase the amount of bacteria on the hand. I mean I just can't see that there are papers out there that say that. Well, you know, this is this is interesting. You should mention this. So, um, I don't know how deep to go into this, but let's go, let's go deep. <laughs> let's deep. Let's deep, deepen it up. <laughs> so, um, the uh, I don't know how to start with this. Um, <laughs> if you if you do. Let's say you did an experiment, Ben. Let's say let's say you had some petri plates, um, and you had some hands, and you had people touch the petri plates with their hands, and then you had them put hand sanitizer on their hands, and you had them touch the petri plates again, um, and you looked at the number of bacteria on the petri plates, both pre and post hand sanitizer application, you might conclude, because I think there is some substance to what's being said here, you might conclude that because those hand sanitizers are perhaps the the ethanol is, is, I don't know how it's going to work though, because the ethanol is going to evaporate and the oil is going to stay there. But anyway, imagine that somehow the hand sanitizer disrupts the microbiology of the hand such that if you did a pre and post, you might see evidence of elevated counts. One of the things that I've learned... We're doing hand sanitizer research, and this is actually something. It's this is not research on hand sanitizers, although although uh, Dane's uh, literature review is going to basically come to the same conclusion. Some of the work that I did, uh, the meta analysis that Rebecca Monfil and I published on antimicrobial <clears throat> uh, soaps containing antimicrobials, what we discovered was one of the key differences 
that you saw had to do with whether you deliberately put microorganisms on the hands or whether you use what is called the resident flora. And if you use the resident flora, the naturally present bacteria, you saw much less effectiveness of of hand washing and, and of these ant, antimicrobial hand soaps. And I suspect that's what we're seeing with these hand sanitizers as well. So if you think about it from the point of view of, okay, let's say I have um, harmful bacteria on my hands because I've just handled raw chicken and now I apply hand sanitizer. And we've done some research that shows this. And actually, I just got a paper back from Review, um, which is which is basically contains some, some hard laboratory data and some computer simulation, which shows the same thing. If you have those what we call transient bacteria on the hands and you apply hand sanitizer, guess what? The hand sanitizer is highly effective against those transient bacteria, which honestly, if they're the salmonella from the raw chicken or the Salmonella from your kid's poop, or or the Campylobacter from the chicken, or E. coli from you know from hamburger or whatever. Um, that's what you want the hand sanitizers to work against. So so yeah. the fact that you you can if you don't know what you're doing, you can do some experiments that will show a a, li, a very little difference. Okay, it's not the same as if you d- deliberately have pathogens on your hands, which is what the sanitizers are built for. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 after after we finish this, I think we sh- you did um, send me a message about um, yeah. uh, uh, research that our our friend and colleague Leanne Jacobs did on norovirus and alcohol hand sanitizers, which I think we ought to get to because it's a nice more scientific segue into this same subject. So anyway, so continuing on with this article from biology.about.com. So. Uh, manufacturers uh, test products on inanimate surfaces. Again, as I pointed out, because they are regulatorily required to do that. Um, uh, and then uh, let's see. Interestingly – oh, and here's where I just get really angry. Um, so hand sanitizers versus soap and water. Interestingly enough, the Food and Drug Administration in regards to regulations concerning proper procedures for food services – never mind the problems with that sentence – recommends that hand sanitizers – recommend that hand sanitizers should not be used in place of soap and water but only as an adjunct. Yes, indeed. That's called the food code and I'm sorry. In this particular case – I, it's nighttime podcast. I have had a drink. Um, the FDA has their heads up their butt. Um, I, I fundamentally – and apologies to anybody from FDA SIFSAN who's listening. Um, I really think the agency is wrong on this issue. Um, we published a, an article, uh, Schaffner and Schaffner. We'll link to it in the, sh- in the show notes uh, that shows that in fact uh, hand sanitizers can be effective against certain microorganisms, uh, 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 surrogate for enteric bacteria. Um, we did the research with Enterobacter erogenes. We did, we did one trial with E. coli 157H7. But basically the idea is that, that in certain situations, hand sanitizers actually can be used in place of soap and water. Now, that's not what the code says, okay? But in fact, the code in this particular case, in my humble opinion or not so humble opinion, is not based on science. Now, that be it as it may, I mean, we'll we'll get to that eventually and eventually, hopefully, we'll change the code and we'll make it more based on on science. But for now, yes, it is a true fact that that FDA recommends that you wash your hands before you use hand sanitizer. Um, 
in my opinion, as I said, that is not necessarily based on soaps, uh, ba- based on based on science. Okay, so now finally getting down to the last paragraph, what about antibacterial soaps? Research on the use of antibacterial soaps has shown that plain soaps are just as effective as antibacterial soaps in reducing bacterial-related illnesses. Um, Eh, sorry, that's the uh, that's the bullshit. Oh, sorry, we'll edit that out. Oh man, that's the, the BS buzzer. Sorry, I'm getting fired up here, Ben. That's Good. just nonsense. Okay, that's absolutely nonsense. We've done a meta analysis uh, that shows that that's not true. I just got uh, paper back from peer review that's going to per- put another nail in that coffin. In fact, uh, uh, antibacterial soaps are more effective than plain soaps. Pure and simple. Um, now, again, you'll find research in the literature that disagrees with that. And, and quite honestly, feel free to dis- disagree with me um, if you'd like. But 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 please, uh, please show me show me some science. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I've looked at the science. We've, cl- we've collected our own data. We've analyzed other people's data. And I believe that antibacterial soaps are more effective. This article... Like I said, it just came back from peer review. Uh, we're about to, to send back for publication in JFP. We'll show through a, a combination of literature data and Monte Carlo simulation, we'll show that in fact, in, in, a, in a particular scenario that we've created for this simulation, it, people eat product that's been handled by a food service worker that's washed their hands in plain soap versus antibacterial soap, you'll have fewer illnesses resulting from the food product that's been handled by the food service worker that washed their hands with antibacterial soap. So I do believe that antibacterial soap is more effective. Again, that's me, industry shill, guy that's taken money from the industry. Um, I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe it was true, but there you go. Um, so, and then, this, then the, the final paragraph, which I'm just going to read to you and then sigh in exasperation. Other studies suggest that the ultra-clean environments and the persistent use of antibacterial soaps and hand sanitizers may in, inhibit proper immune system development in children. Uh, okay, whatever. That's fine. Uh, yeah. I, okay, <laughs> sure. We're all dying because of chemicals. Yeah, and because we're cleaning, we're washing our hands too much. That's right. That's yeah. right. So feed your kids crap yeah and they'll be and th- and they'll be fine unless they die unless they die but if they don't die they'll be stronger. they'll be better that's right but some will die <laughs> um okay uh, so i'm ben i'm exhausted this is awesome uh it, it, here's um l- let me l- l- this is a good segue into what i wanted to what i sent you a paper about today and and a little bit of what i wanted to talk about which was um earlier this week i went to baltimore to deliver uh, a talk for Leanne. Uh, Leanne uh, had some stuff come up and couldn't make uh, um, a, a meeting uh, of the National Restaurant did, Association. Did you, did you did you see McNulty? I didn't, but I, I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna get to. I'm, I so um, so I, got, I went to Baltimore to give this talk uh, on Noro, and Leanne sort of walked me through what it was she wanted me to say, give some background on NoroCore, and then gave me like all the stuff that NoroCore has got that was either in the proposal or is coming out of the uh, collaborative um, that that has um, – or a bunch of stuff that, that that's um, rele- relevant to the, the food service world. And so 
I uh, I got to Baltimore. My talk was at uh, three three thirty maybe. I got to Baltimore about nine, um, and so I got to spend the day hanging out in Starbucks at Bal- in uh, in the Inner Harbor of Baltimore, of course, on my way from the airport uh, downtown or to the Inner Harbor. Uh, I had to figure out where I was in relation to all the wire places, and I uh, uh, texted you a couple of times. Uh, so here's what I took away from my trip to Baltimore, which is the, the first one I've taken since watching the wire. I saw multiple uh, police officers. None of them looked like <laughs> McNulty. Um, police presence was high. Presence was high. Traffic officers, uh, beat cops. I mean, it was it was a, a, a very safe feeling city, at least in the part that I was in. Um, I did not. Uh, so, so then I went and checked out where, what I was close to, and I was about two and a half miles, uh, two and a half mile walk away from the restaurant where everyone meets the Greek. And I did not make the trek uh, to uh, that restaurant. Which, so that actually – that's a real place and you actually did find out where it is. Yeah. It's it's like on the other side of the inner harbor from where I was, like some – a park. Um, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I'll link to the uh, – I'll throw a link in uh, for Andreas to, to include oh, awesome. the walking tour of the – actually, there's a driving tour and a walking tour of the wire. Oh, um, so cool. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was like I mean, it's Baltimore. Um, it's it, it, that that show is uh, uh, you know as much about the city as the characters, right? Like I mean, this... well, people talk about the the character of the the, the character in the wire being the city. Yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. I mean, I I agree with that. So it was kind of cool. It was like it it was fun to be there. Anyway, um, so I gave I gave a talk um with some some great stuff that Leanna put together um which was really odd i don't know if you've had the experience of doing this it went i think it went very well giving giving a talk with somebody else's slides yeah yeah it was like yeah, improv I've, yeah <laughs> i gave a i gave a talk at iafp uh using eric johnson's slides i don't know if you know eric but he's a big time clostridium botulinum um researcher and um i just i just used it as an opportunity to kind of tell jokes and i wove a little <laughs> bit of a story in there but one, one of the one of the games we played was guess where the typos are in these talks in this talk <laughs> and then another one was uh you know guess what don's gonna say when when there's a slide that he doesn't know like he has one like very cool looking slide which was the the botulinum neurotoxin molecule and, and i was like this is a cool this is a pretty picture yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I, it was a little bit like that. I actually thought that it was pretty fun. I don't know if the audience thought it was as much fun as I did, but I was like, I think this is what Leanne wants me to say here. Um, but anyway, it was. I, I think it went. I, I think it went well based on the, the response that I got from the audience. But um, so I, I told a few stories about ham washing um, and some of the work that that I had done, and then Leanne had some some good data. Uh, that her lab's done, and then a bunch of stuff on vomiting. And I, you know, I can't, Don, I can't get enough vomit. Um, and so, really, right now, my goal for all of these podcasts is just to come up with sound bites that turn into show notes. Show titles, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or show titles. So, anyway, um, uh, that. So, so I, I talked about that, and then um, two questions came from from the audience, and I don't know if this is like a public meeting or not, so I'm not going to say who the co- who the uh, questions came from specifically. Um, one first question was uh, from a, a you know well known food safety guy in the food service industry has done a lot of work on um, sharing what his company has done for neuro control in their restaurants, from cleanup uh, to the uh, to the hand sanitizers uh, choices that they 
use. I'll, and, I, you don't have to confirm or deny, but I'll guess Hal King. Well, I, that and there's a guess. Um, so um, the this individual, uh, we'll call him Mal, um, <laughs> <laughs> said, can you comment on – um, the issue that you just brought up, Don, on, on this process of the rules that sanitizer companies, both the sanitizer, like um, hand sanitizer and in, um, you know, non like fomite sanitizer, because uh, those are two different rule, regulatory uh, rules. So someone who's trying to um, register a quad and put label um, uh, claims on a quad, uh, you're absolutely right. There's a pesticide a- aspect of it. A hand sanitizer, from from what Leanne shared with me, and you, um, uh, you know, let me know if you know anything else. But um, is both an EPA registered pesticide as well as requires clinical trials for efficacy. So. The information that um, that's um, performed or that's provided in, in the uh, biologyabout.com article, um, you know, refers to how they uh, go through their EPA um, work for norovirus, and then. But if someone wanted to say this is uh, effective at reducing uh, noroviruses on hands, they would have to actually do clinical work, which is very, very expensive. And um, Leanne and I had sort of talked about that the margins on hand sanitizer, even though even if you got lots and lots of people to do it, you, it's probably not a high enough volume um, to, to make it worthwhile. Yeah. At last year's uh, <clears throat> or the last time we had a conference for food protection, basically somebody from a hand sanitizer company said, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, it, it we we can't afford to do that. There's we will never make enough money to 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 be able to afford to do a clinical trial. Yeah, so so they're they're handcuffed by the system to be able to give people good information about what their product does, and and in in the same um, uh, way they also. Um, for for many of the companies don't want to share the data that they have generated internally. Now they may share it with their customers that are you know potential clients that are going to buy it, but, but to share it with you know sort of folks like us, we don't well, often get our hands. On it. Well, here's the thing: they can't oh. even share it with their customers because that would be advocating oh. a non-labeled usage. It's it's uh, that's even worse. Yes, it's, it's worse because yeah. so so. For example, again, Gojo, who I am currently working with and who I've worked with in the past, has a particular hand sanitizer formulation called, you know, VF something something, where VF doesn't stand for anything, right? Except that between you and me, it stands for virus formulation. Gotcha. Okay. And there's an AEM article that shows that this particular product, this VF XYZ, is effective against norovirus. Um, and uh, on the one hand, they have this AEM publication. On the other hand, they have this marketing material that cannot, by law, mention viruses. And in fact, I requested both a copy of the marketing information because I wanted our university sanitarian to buy some of this stuff so we'd have it if we ever had a norovirus outbreak at Rutgers. And I also requested a copy of the publication. And different people within the company sent them to me, and they couldn't talk to each other. They couldn't communicate. It was just bizarre. It's 
it's re, it's really it's it's broken. The system is broken. Here we have a technology that works against viruses, but because these things are regulated as drugs by Center for Drug Evaluation and Research (FDA Cedar) and also, I guess, by pesticides by the EPA. It's just – it's a mess. It's just a complete and total mess. And then in the middle of all this, you have FDA SIFSAN, the food safety people, saying, well, it's not us saying that. It's really FDA Cedar. But oh, by the way, we can't advocate that you use a hand sanitizer unless you wash your hands because – we have no data. Blah, blah. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like – it's just – it's – wait, wait. It's, t- it's time for this again. Ben, can you hear this? I, oh. That's that's my head hitting the microphone. Wah, wah, wah. That's good. <laughs> um, so here's here's the other thing that, that Leanne brought up about the broken system. That, um, that you know, the, another little story is that um, the EPA standard for a pesticide that should to be used for um, gastroviruses, like i.e., noroviruses, does not use a human. Uh, norovirus as the target pathogen that someone would have to submit data on. It uses um, the uh, murine norovirus. No, feline. Ah, I better get this right. It's, yeah, it's either murine norovirus yeah. or feline Khaleesi virus. Yeah, it's, yep. either, yeah, it's either murine or feline Khaleesi virus. Yeah. And let me take a look at my notes here. Anyway, it, it, it requires it to uh, requires you to submit it in that. You know, it will show us how it does against this. Where. Um, Whichever one it is, um, and I'll have to go back to um, to Leanne's notes, is the one that is more susceptible to um, alcohol based or to alcohol. So her argument is, even if um, someone went through the the registration as a pesticide, they're using kind of a flawed system um, to to measure it. So we don't really have very good data unless someone's doing it in, in the the AEM. AEM article you mentioned um, for hand sanitizer was done with G2, human norovirus genotype, genotype 2, I think, right? Um, if they, uh, if well, you're talking about the, the uh, it's a Mo paper. Yeah. Yes. So the there's a couple of papers here. The 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 one that you sent me the link to is by a bunch of people, including Jacobs and Mo, and and the title of that, and we'll link to all this in the show notes. The effect the article you're talking about is the effectiveness of liquid soap and hand sanitizer against Norwalk virus on contaminated hands. That was published in 2009. And and in fact, what that article shows is that yes, indeed. Um, hand sanitizer is not as effective as liquid soap. Um, but, but the humorous thing is if you – depending upon whether you're, they're using the standard ASTM yes. method or the modified ASTM method um, – a water rinse is almost as good or better than liquid soap for yep. getting actual real norovirus off your hands. How, how about so? How about that? Yeah, exactly. And that was the <laughs> that's what I wanted to, to talk to you about. So, so I use that. This, here's the second question that I got. I used that paper um, in this talk, and Leanne had it included, and I was like, "Hey, I know something about it. I wrote about this paper back in Barfblog. I use it all the time." Um, and it and it goes into this whole you know large thing of uh, of sanitizers. Um, on here's some data that that shows well sanitizers might be good, they might not be good, but but water's better than anything. <laughs> Water's better than anything. Yeah, I mean that's except, I mean, except maybe a drink. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Um, and, and so a guy from um, a, I, I think, I don't know exactly what the, um, what, what the business model is for this dude, but he, let's say he comes from somewhere called man washing for mife. Uh, <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? Don? Oh, that would be Jim Han. Yeah, yeah, Jim, Jim. Um, <laughs> I know he, Jim very well. Yeah, he, Jim Han. He's a nice man. Yeah. He has he has very soft hands. I bet. I bet she's he's 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 a ni- he's a nice man. And speaking of, speaking of which, um, he's he's bought me he's bought me dinner and drinks before. So um, you know, I'm conflicted. Good, but he's good. a nice man. Well, you're a shill. A shill. <laughs> I'm a um, shill. So he uh, he asked a question and said. Um, you know, basically, there are formulations out there that are effective against norovirus, and, and um, there are people in the room that use them because they know that. And, um, you know, we if we're presenting stuff like this, we should be able to, uh, you know, to, to talk about that. And we got into this whole kind of conversation about, well, some of the data is not available. Some, and, and to, you know, to your point, they can't share it. Um, and the system doesn't allow us to really evaluate this question very well. I mean, I guess that's the... The, the the where it kind of comes down to where there are things out there that may be that may be good and and that second AEM article not not the one I sent you but but another one showed um, that there's maybe some synergistic effect I think this was another Mo paper I think this is the one you're talking about that's got um, a, a you know, VF formulation and a quat in there at the same time or something like that, that, that did show, uh, increased the fe- um, effectiveness against, uh, human norovirus G2. And yeah, well, the, the, the one that I'm thinking of is it's an article from AEM in 2008 by, uh, Masinga, who's a Dave Masinga at Gojo, um, as well as Sayed Sitar from health Canada. And then also Leanne Jacobs who we talked about, your colleague, and Jim Arbogast from from Gojo, and that's entitled Improved Inactivation of Non-Enveloped Enteric Viruses in Their Surrogates by a Novel Alcohol-Based Hand Sanitizer. And again, here they're using... uh, I forget. I don't see the, the the trade name of the product, but basically what they're showing is that by by virtue of being able to to formulate this stuff in a particular way, they they can make a product that in fact is um, more effective. And then there's another another article that was published in uh, Journal of Food Protection, which I'm trying to get up on my computer here and being unsuccessful at it, um, which basically looks at uh, the seven different um, uh, viruses. So let's see. Um, uh, comparative e- efficacy of seven hand sanitizers against Miri norovirus, feline Khaleesi virus, and G2.4 norovirus. And that's by, um, oh, it's by uh, Dave Masinga's on that paper as well as Jan Vinjay. Jan is a viral researcher at CDC. And so what they're, they're showing is looking at the effectiveness against all these different ones. So again, the, 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 the point is, is that, that, that research can be done to show that this stuff works, but then we still have the regulatory hurdle of, you know, how do we actually get to we can, where we can make claims? And, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very depressed by this whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that there is necessarily an answer except to have this weird situation that we have where people learn what works by reading the literature and companies can't make marketing claims and they just have to make stuff and it's all kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here you go. And if you have a guy like... Mal Bing, um, running your food safety for your company, who's versed in this, 
Um, and he can go to the literature and say, oh, yeah, yeah I, I see this and I want that product and mm-hmm. I know where to get it. Then then you're ahead of the game. Um, but it doesn't really help, you know, mom and pop Joe and Jolene um, who run a barbecue stand. Right. <laughs> right. Um, to know to know what to, to get to. So anyway, I guess o- overall, I mean, the, the, the summary for me on this discussion is there's a lot of stuff out there on sanitizers and it's and, and some of it is is a bit of a mess, but they're not um, all of it's pretty. It's got to be kind of nuanced because there's the question isn't as what's asked in about dot com biology is do they work it's do they work in this situation if you are trying to kill this pathogen because this is what your business is high risk for because you handle a lot of raw chicken does it work against salmonella yeah are are you going to um use it in in um lieu of an employee health policy being enforced no um, are they part of the the story overall story for risk reduction? Yep, and probably as much as rinsing them in water is, <laughs> right? Like like there's so many depending on what it is you're trying to you're trying to kill, but it's not. There's no this whole idea of hand sanitizer good or bad is is a flawed question at the at the heart of it because it's not enough information about well what is it you're trying to do? Right, it's it's good or bla- good or bad in what context and for what purpose? Yeah. But, you know, but sadly, at the end of the day, people need to do something. So I guess if I if I was going to give advice to a food service company, I would say, well, for sure, get you some sanitizer and for sure have your employees wash their hands. But guess what? If they don't wash their hands, um, they could still use hand sanitizer, even though that's not allowed by the food code. It's probably okay. But guess what? If you're in a situation where you know you have a neural – well, first of all, if you know you have a norovirus outbreak going on in your restaurant, you're kind of screwed. Yep. But but at least in that situation, bust out the good stuff, right? Like the, get 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 a hold of the good stuff from from Gojo or for wherever something that you that you've been able to piece together through whatever back channels you know that, to get some stuff that works against norovirus. And again, that's my advice to my to my um, university sanitarian colleague. Hey, look, we ought to stockpile some of the good stuff from Gojo if we ever have what we believe is a norovirus outbreak. Let's roll that stuff out and get that into the dormitory or or wherever that is. To, to try to take care of this as best we can, and plus do other all you know it 's not like just a one um, you know one one right. note solution it 's like you got to do a whole bunch of things you got to have you know vomit control kits and et cetera et cetera et cetera yeah absolutely it 's not as um, it, it all changes depending on the situation and and what you're, what you 're trying to do right and and i and I think what we have to resist the temptation to do is throw up our hands and say, well, it's just complicated and it's overwhelming, but uh-huh. it's like, well, yeah, it is, but, yeah. but let's, let's kind of, let's develop a, a, a plan that we think will do pretty well most of the time. And that means focus on sanitation, focus on hand washing, have hand sanitizers available, and then have a plan B ready or have, 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 have you know, in response to, if you have a norovirus situation, what's your plan going to be that you're going to up your game. You're going to change something. What is it you're going to change and what are you going to do? Yeah. Don, Ben, we've been talking for almost two hours. We, we can, have. I, I, we got more stuff to do too. <laughs> well, like, 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 like we go to sleep. Even, well, that, but we didn't even <laughs> talk about Foster Farms. Oh, I know, I know. Um, and it's that's a mess. I mean, that's 
Yeah, what are, let's let's save it because I think we'll um, two weeks from now we'll know more about it um, that we can. <laughs> that we'll be yeah, but to. we should we should just say that Foster Farms is a mess, and this is this is two strikes against Foster Farms, right? Yeah, um, I mean, there's 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 Foster Farms, there's the government shutdown, and how that's maybe impacting Foster Farms. There's hundreds of people sick. It's- and the best quote that I saw, which was from an epidemiologist that was not Bill Keen, but another epidemiolo- <laughs> epidemiologist in Oregon, and I can't remember her name. She said, well, something's something's going on there because it's not like all of a sudden consumers have decided to eat their chicken rare. I, I saw I saw Great. that. Well, I saw that quote and I think you linked to it in a Barf blog article. Oh. And yeah, she's she's spot on. It's like, OK, like it's. There is a reason for this, right? There, There is a reason why this particular thing happened. It's a reason why it grew to the level of attention in the CDC radar that it did. It's not random. No. it's Yeah, exactly. Um, the mess, though, let's talk about it for a couple minutes because, I mean, what do you, what do you think about them not recalling their product? It, to me, it seems dumb. I mean, it doesn't seem like a good idea. Um, and, and it's not it's not because of you know they've made the argument um in the last day or so that well illnesses have been going on for a while and and we haven't seen any new illnesses or or you know no one's seen the epi curve because cdc is you know portions of it are furloughed and so they may be privy to more information but basically they said well with the information we know we've put in things that should stop this and the illnesses that are coming out are, are happening from stuff you know that was on the market before that because these illnesses go back to march but it just turns into a bad idea like like to to not j- just from a um we're protecting you as our consumer message even though the science might be right or on their side it just seems dumb to me <laughs> well ben as you know i'm a well-known industry shill right right so <laughs> um shill away and i can see their point of view but again, we we don't we are not privy to all of the information. So I guess I'd like to see the epi curve. I'd like to see the you know, and, and what CDC always does whenever they show these epi curves, they always show like where the uncertainty point is. Like we may not have reported cases from this part of the epi curve yet, um, and maybe the outbreak is open, but uh, is is over. But yeah, I mean, and and I don't know. It just. And I'm sure that if the company knew something more, they would they would they would say it. But it's just like this is two strikes, right? This company has had not at this plant, but at a related at another plant, plant yeah. had another outbreak. And so, what if I was Foster Farms? I'd be thinking, man, what the heck are we doing that's different than the rest of the poultry industry? And and of course. Ben, because food safety is not competitive, nobody in any of the other poultry companies will talk about what they're doing that might be different from their colleagues in foster farms. Right. So, of course. Um, you know, that's not going to go anywhere, which I don't know. I mean, Doug's, Doug's worn me down. I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I can, I can, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm so, it's, it's late and I'm, I'm, I'm so mixed up. I, <laughs> could you, Don, is it, is, are the lights about to come up at the bar and you could just go home with anyone right now? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm here in my home and my okay. wife is here, Ben, but no, it's, it's, it's just, it's confusing. Yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know. It's I need to I need to go to sleep and and maybe the day will look brighter tomorrow. But this is very discouraging. I mean, I I would like to know what's going on at Foster Farms. I just don't have enough information. But but boy, something is sure going on. And I would like to I would like to hear some assurances from them. And yeah, maybe a recall would make me feel better. But at the same time, I could argue the other side too, and and I can see their point of view. It's like, well, if we if a, if a recall won't do any good, why should we do it? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I I see it from the from the risk communication standpoint. It's it's because you're getting smoked for not having a recall, and and, and the uh, they they haven't shared enough information. If they have it, they haven't shared enough to say, here's how we made this decision. To not make to not have a recall, right? All, all they've said is, "Well, there's pathogens on chicken. That's expected." I'm like, "Yeah, of course. I mean, that's yes, but something different's going on because not every chicken manufacturer makes people sick twice in a year, right? Um, so, so what are you doing? Like, I mean, like you said, I don't want to reiterate it, but it's what are you doing differently? What? Are you, why are? Why is this happening? Why is this happening to you and no one else? Right. And, the just you know the well if people just held it correctly or just cooked it is awesome for two reasons one is so of course when people say stuff like that i go to their website and see whether they have all the right information and yes they do say things like cook your chicken to 165 but then they also say things like well if you don't have a thermometer um you could just uh, check the 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 color uh, and make sure that the juice is run clear and if you look at their recipes and i link to these in the in the show notes for for andreas um, there's three or four recipes that all that don't say anything about temperature. So if I'm a consumer and I go get their fantastic Foster Farms chicken and I want to make their Foster Farms, you know, Hawaiian chicken delight or special or whatever it is, and I go to their recipe and I follow it through, it doesn't say anything on there about cooking it to 165. It says your chicken is done when the juices run clear and the and the meat is no longer pink. And so if you're gonna say things like the consumer can be a control point. You better give them all the right information. And that's the kind of stuff that makes me mad. <laughs> like, and it's just, it's just too, um, it, it, it just could be done better. And right now they just look douchey. So, yeah. So I don't know. I, so I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm guessing that, uh, foster farms, um, doesn't have IEH testing their, uh, food safety. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not privy to all I, that information. Because I hear IEH has hired a, a pretty hotshot vice president of communications. They have. They have. Who knows? He's not. He hasn't, he hasn't shared that he's on the phone with anybody. But uh, we haven't signed our, our an NDA with him. So. Yeah. So who knows what he's up so to? So who knows what he's up to? He could be doing it. could be talking to them right now. Oh, man. We do know he's probably not listening to this podcast. No. He just reads the notes. He, in fact, emailed me while we were while we've been recording saying... Um, blog your podcast, dumbass. <laughs> Meaning, cross post show notes for episode forty nine. Yes, exactly. Yep. But I had to come talk to you. I couldn't. I didn't have time. Time, yeah. I, was, busy I, man. I posted the notes. I had to put a child to bed. Came to talk to you. I was gonna pl- blog it afterwards. Sounds Don, good. It's one one fifty six into this. I think we should call this a show. I think this is gonna be a this is gonna be a, a monster show. It's gonna be. A, you know who's going to love it is Tom Sievers. He's, gonna, <laughs> he's, he's not going to. He's going to be driving around and he's going to love it. And he's probably he'll probably love that we just mentioned him. So. But but you know who's going to who's going to complain? Uh, Michelle Daniluk. 
yep. exactly. I know. I, I look. I know our listeners. <laughs> um. Oh. Okay. Actually, speaking of which, I don't know if you've had a chance to go to iTunes. So, because we, we first of all, to our listeners, um, please feel free to rate us uh, on at iTunes if this is how you are choosing to listen to the podcast. Um, you can go in and there's a section on ratings and reviews. Uh, feel free to provide us some feedback there because we do look at it. And also, if you've got questions or you have any feedback for us, feel free to email either of us and uh, we will uh, likely talk about it on the show because we love that part and follow-up. But, Dom, we've got a new review. By oh, that's Angela, awesome. A UF Gator. Oh, that's very cool. It's very cool. Let me let me read a select part of this. Please do. I, I felt it was only appropriate to disclose my appreciation of the podcast after meeting Doctors Chapman and Schaffner at IAFP 2013. I was surprised and happy to receive their limited Food Safety Talk T-shirt during a session I monitored for Doctor Chapman. I've been listening to their podcast since fall 2012 while I was studying for my qualifiers, and I've been loyal to their podcast ever since. I felt this was a good portal to current topics for potential food safety questions I may have received during my qualifier exam. That's who thought? <laughs> you know what? Episode 50, helping PhD students study for qualifying exams since 2011. That's, right. that's going to go on the next, uh, uh, next T-shirt. Um. Uh, also, here's our full disclosure. I even enjoy listening to them talk about my advisor, Michelle Daniluk, and her extension-related <laughs> whereabouts. I've listened to them while I was working in the lab, processing samples, counting plates, washing lab dishware, entering data, pretty much anything that requires manual labor with limited thinking. Hence, this is why I recommend this podcast to students. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> that is great. So shout out to Angela, UF Gator. Um, Michelle Daniluk is her advisor. So uh, welcome. And it sounds like you've been listening for a while, and I did talk to you in such up with a shirt. So glad um, glad we could chat uh, at IAFP. And uh, anyway, so for our listeners, please go and, um, and rate us and rank us and do all the things you can at, at I at, um iTunes, uh, and even if it's bad, that's that's feedback, and we're happy to to see that. Um, also, our notes, please contact either of us if you'd like to sponsor the show, and subscribe to our newsletter uh, on foodsafetytalk.com if you'd like to know uh, about new episodes as they get posted, because you can get a notification right away, or semi right away. <laughs> so, Indeed. Don, thanks as always for your time tonight and hopefully uh it's 11 o'clock sunday night not, both of us are probably gonna fade away into sleepy time soon but, so. but we're gonna get up bright and early we sure are gonna talk to you at eight o'clock we're gonna talk to you at eight o'clock tomorrow perfect <laughs> got i might even get half an hour more writing in by then i won't uh, <laughs> don it's been a, it's been a great time uh thanks as always absolutely thanks a lot ben bye-bye bye-bye
Ooh, two hours. I know that was a long time, but we had we had so much to talk about. We had a lot days. to talk about, and we didn't even get to Foster Farms. I'll uh, I'll, I'll put in a, a link to the bar blog post right at the end of the thing here. So, so much good. Stuff. I can't. I'm having trouble seeing Angela's review. Oh, really? It's like it popped. It's October third, October fourth. Yeah, Are I don't you know. Logged in, not in. In the U.S. again? No, I am. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the website, um, but maybe I need to look in the iTunes app. Yeah, I, look my, my computer is so confusing to me today. Uh-oh. These days. Yeah. You should get I don't, a PC. I, don't, I should. It's so oh, much gosh. easier. Sorry if I exploded your ears there. Spitting <laughs> on okay. my microphone. No, I, can't, I can't figure out how anything works anymore. Uh, <laughs> you should quit. You should quit this off, the whole thing. It's just too complicated. Go do something else. Something simple. <laughs> Maybe I'll be a farmer. Yeah. Some, just something manual labor. Work with your hands. Maybe, I, could make, about, I could be a potter. About, <laughs> do pottery. Maybe instead That seems of, simple. Yeah. Uh, pottery would be good. Um, I, I was thinking about like just learning the art of uh, rolling cigars. Rolling cigars. Yeah, just doing that. Just I don't. I'm not. I don't have the most dexterous hands, but I'm sure after a few years I could figure it out. Um, just roll. You know, something. Something I could watch. Uh, I could listen to podcasts and just do uh, do some stuff on my own. <laughs> uh, well, well, well. Oh, I had something for after dark. What was I going to mm. tell you? Oh, I was going to tell you. We'll save this. Okay. I was going to tell you the whole news flow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do want to hear that at some point. Yeah, let's get, we'll put that in fifty-one. Okay, because um, it's not it's not time dependent, and and time is limited currently. Indeed, like like I want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, so let me ask you. This is after sure. after dark stuff. When you went to Chile, what are you doing for data when you go away? Do you just do the bump up your data international plan for your phone? Yeah, I just I just buy I just buy the international plan. And then kind of reset it and kind of look at it. But, yeah. Do you use it as a hotspot so you can download stuff? Or you- um, most of the time, it's not too much trouble. Like I had the, I had internet at the hotel that was good enough and free. I had internet at the conference that was good enough and free. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying – when I go to the UK, I'm trying something called TEP Wireless. Mm-hmm. You heard about this? No. It's like um, they send you this little thing. Like a little mobile Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. and it's like six bucks a day for unlimited internet. Huh. So I figure I can run like I'll just you know have my iPad and my phone and my computer. I'll run off of that, um, and they send you this little unit like directly to your house, so you have it before you go. Come home, put it in an envelope, send it back to them. Now that sounds not, really yeah. That sounds cool. It's not in every country though. Hmm. That's the and I can't really tell what countries it's in. Hmm. Like, it te- it gives you one thing on, like, prices and tells you countries. But then on their Facebook site, it says, yeah, we're in Brazil and we're in the UAE. But it do- I don't have – there's no prices for it. Hmm. So I'm trying – I got to call them. But I'm going to try it with the UK next week when I go. Uh, that sounds like a good plan. And if you – I mean, if you, if you wanted to um... – Find somebody else to do an episode. I mean, it would maybe be okay. Just, maybe I'll just do someone else's podcast. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Yes. Eh? I'll make you jealous. <laughs> so jealous. <laughs> um, 
I, you know, for me, it's, I've got, you know, I'm gone a week and then I'm back five days and then I'm gone. Like, it's so just you're my, really gone too. Yeah. yeah. I'm basically gone until, um, even like the, I'm, I'm basically gone until Thanksgiving other wow. than a, wow. like, cause I've got these three week in the UK, week in Brazil, we can do Um, so I might as well not try Let's just, let's just leave it. Okay. Cause that's, I mean, it's, it's a little bit long, but, but we can deal with it. All right. Um, Hopefully okay. our fans can deal with it. They'll deal with it. <laughs> deal with it, fans. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the other, the other thing that's very special about November tenth, it's my birthday. Oh no way! Yeah. Well, is that okay? Do you want to yeah. not celebrate? That no, with it's me? it's fine. It's fine. I will. I will probably go out for a nice dinner <laughs> on the ninth or something on Saturday night because because okay. uh, I got to get up. Um, well, not uh, early, but I, I'm flying to Charlotte on the 11th. So, but no, that's fine. That's cool. Um, what uh, what number birthday is this? Um, you want to show that? You want to show that you? Uh, got yeah, and I have to do the math. It's complicated. Um, I will be. I was born in '61, so I'm going to be 52. <laughs> It's awesome that you had to do some math on that. I could. It's every year it changes. It's a different number. It's I true. can't keep it straight. Yep, it's the starting number is the same. Yes, um, <laughs> I can remember that. Okay, good. That's good. easy. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, so we'll, same birthday. So wait, fifty-two <laughs> episode fifty-one on your fifty-second oh, on birthday. my fifty-second birthday. Oh, How about could, that? We could only make that somehow different, like fifty-two on fifty-two. Well, if or, you record another one without me, true, it'll be 52. Yeah, or I'll record another one without you. Yeah, you probably will. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, a threat? <laughs> it is. It's a threat, Ben. It's a threat. Um, so I've got – it looks like my audio worked for this. Okay. fine. So I'll do audio for this. Okay. Uh, for 50, and then you've got uh, show notes. Yep. Cool. Um, that's it. That's all I got for you. It's 11-11. I'm tired. Indeed. Um, time. Yeah. Hey, good. But th- that was an awesome. Um, it was a good time chatting. Yeah, it was. It was good. I think. Uh, I think we 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 covered a lot of ground. So, um, and and Foster Farms will still be going on next yeah. month, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It will. And there'll be something else. And also, I like it when you get all mad. That's, that's oh, so angry. So, yeah, it's good. You're <laughs> you're you're raging. Um. Cool. All right. All right. That's let's call that a a show and a show. All right. Sounds good. Good night. Good night, Ben. Bye. Bye.